At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. This is Florida Matters. I am Steve Newborn. Being in the hotel or restaurant industry has never been for the faint of heart. But lately, problems have beset the hospitality industry on a scale not seen, well, maybe never. Shortages of labor as workers decide to pack up and move to more lucrative jobs, supply issues that have affected just about every business, and of course the ongoing pandemic have only made a somewhat tricky business to be in even trickier. We're going to take a look at the problems facing hotels and restaurants. In just a bit, we'll talk with Helen Freund, the food and dining critic for the Tampa Bay Times, about what she's been seeing. First up, we'll take a seat at the Ana Maria Oyster Bar in the fishing village of Cortez in Manatee County. John Horn owns five restaurants and opened this oyster bar in 2002. He's also state board vice chair and restaurant director for the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. John Horn, welcome to Florida Matters. Thanks so much for having me today. All right, this is great. You know, we're sitting here in a bustling restaurant. I'm looking at you, and the kitchen is behind you, and there's all sorts of pots and pans clanging, and lots <laughs> of people in here. The place is packed. There is a lot of activity. We're on a wait right now, actually. And you seem to have a lot of people working here. So has filling staff been a problem lately? No, no, it's been a nightmare. It's way beyond a problem. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely horrendous to bring people in for applications for everything. Uh, the whole state of Florida is looking for employees, and we're at the very bottom end of the bringing them back scale. The hospitality industry has been hurt harder than any other industry. I was on a call with the Florida Chamber a couple of weeks ago, and they were showing, you know, construction is back, and everybody where their sales, et cetera, were, and then where staffing was. And hospitality is still at the lowest level. So we're, we're, we're working hard to get people in to work. Yeah, I've heard reports of some restaurants are actually having signing bonuses, like, you know, baseball players. You haven't, you haven't had, had to go there, have you? Oh, we do. Yeah, we have we have we have bounties. We have signing bonuses. We've got all kinds of motivation to bring people in. So we use it for our existing staff. Go out and find someone that you feel comfortable working with because they're not going to bring in just a body. They're going to bring in someone they they know will work hard beside them and, and do the side work and, and really be a good team player. So we, we give them signing bonuses if they bring someone in. How much is that about roughly? So, I mean, if someone comes in and works for 90 days, they can make up six, $750 just as a signing bonus. So we give them a signing bonus if they come in and fill an application and we hire them. And then 30 days later, we give them another bump and 90 days. And that gives them motivation to, you know, I mean, it's tough business. We work hard in the, in the hospitality industry. So, you know, if, if I bring in someone and they're like, oh, I can't take this, I'm going to try to talk them into staying at least till 90 days till I get my final bonus, right? So that helps motivate them to stay with us. 
Well, another problem all the restaurants uh, seem to be having, and everybody really right now, is the supply chain issues. Mm. Are you having trouble getting, I don't know, a lot sea of seafood even? I mean, you're right off yeah. of Cortez here. Right. right, so the grouper from Cortez and, and the local, local seafood, yes, we can get. Uh, but we're having difficulty. I couldn't get Jameson's Irish whiskey for several weeks. That's a problem. <laughs> and, and, you know, the supply chain for them, from my understanding, was they couldn't get the green bottles. And so they had the whiskey, but they didn't have the bottles that they, you know, it's all about brand, and they're not going to put it in, in a mason jar like we used to do back in the days. Uh, so Jameson's has their brand. If they couldn't get the bottle, it's the same thing. They're having trouble finding 10 cans. So think of all the products that come into a kitchen in a number 10 can. Uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's a big problem. Now, Jameson's obviously comes from Ireland. So uh, how, about, how about food, just local food? Uh, seafood, are you having trouble getting seafood? As we said, not local. I mean, the, the grouper's still coming in, other than the grouper ban. But that's a whole, that has nothing to do with the supply chain. That's sustainability and hoping that we can continue to have grouper forever. Um, but Alaskan king crab legs, I cannot get. Stone crabs, snow crabs, they're tough to get. So there are a lot of problems. There's a lot of seafood that comes from Indonesia. It's a small percentage of the seafood that we purchase in the United States, not just us in the United States. It's only like 9% is local. So Indonesia supplies it. So there's a lot of product that's not getting across here. So are we seeing holes in the menu? You have to fill them in with other items or you just kind of cross them on the menu saying, sorry, not today? We do have that problem. I mean, I've got Alaskan King crab legs on the menu. And one thing you saw during COVID is people use QR codes. You can see one right here on the table. That get, leads you right to a menu. So if you have an electronic menu, you just wipe it out that day. So the, the guest never sees that you have Alaskan King crab legs. So, you know, some good did come out of COVID. Not much, but some has come out of COVID. Well, let's talk about COVID for, for a minute here. Sure. You know, there have been horror stories about employees having to stay home, yeah. some getting fired because they wanted to stay home, but they didn't have the option. What can you tell us about your experiences during the pandemic? And, and did you have to shut down at all? Yes, yes. The whole state of Florida was shut down. We were closed at all of our restaurants for seven weeks. Really? So you know there was no playbook back then so we went ahead and paid all of our staff we paid them at full season rating uh, ranks i mean what they would make in tips and an hourly wage that's what we paid them for seven weeks we you know we had planned and thought for sure we could get the ppp money and the ppp money that we applied for covered those seven weeks of salaries and wages um, and we did get the money and all of it was already expended so we were completely forgiven um, so we did what the plan was put in place for. It was to keep people out of unemployment lines and so forth, to stay home safely. But moving forward, you know, we've lost some of the people. Some of the people went on unemployment when we first opened back up. We were open at 25%. They knew they couldn't make the same money they were making. And so they went on unemployment. Can't blame them. I mean, that's what it's set up for. But some of those people never came back. We brought some back, but not everybody bringing everybody back is it's been the hard time of getting them back into the industry um, but not everybody did that during it. so we were fortunate that we did make the right decision you know hindsight's always 100 percent but we'd, we'd made the right decision and it helped us tremendously with our staffing
So besides the signing bonuses, have you had a look outside the traditional sources of employment for people? I mean, maybe older than usual people that work in restaurants? We do have some of that. We absolutely do. We have gone to the local schools and worked with them, bringing some of the culinary students in. Um, we've used all kinds of different options. There's, uh, you know, snag a job there's there's all the different web-based ones the florida restaurant and lodging association came up with a new website called great florida jobs where all of the restaurants posted jobs and then they pushed it out to the local culinary schools the pro start schools all over the state so they were trying to put the students looking for jobs with restaurants with jobs so that, that has helped us tremendously too. The Restaurant Association, the Restaurant Lodging Association really has gone out there and, and really helped during this whole process. So how attractive is the hospitality industry still to a lot of people now? You know, we have this so-called resignation. People are reassessing their lives, maybe going into a line of work that maybe is a little more lucrative or something they've always wanted to do. Right. You're running into that problem as well. We absolutely are. I, I think every industry is. Everybody did reassess. I mean, the, the, the pandemic caused everyone to rethink pretty much everything. You know, do I want to work in the public? Do I want to wait tables? Do I want to bartend? Do I want to work construction? Do I want to work in a mid-level management job? Everybody, every level looked at it. We lost some of our kitchen people that went to construction. So, you know, construction is good gracious, they can't get people. It is absolutely crazy right now. So they're paying higher than scale because they need it and they're passing it right on. So, you know, when you were selling a home for 400,000 10 years ago and you're selling it for a million now, obviously there's a little, there's a little margin in there to pay higher wages. And to be able to get a product out, you need more people. So it is absolutely supply and demand. But we have had people that decide I don't want to be back in the restaurant business. It's a tough business, but it's it's one of the most rewarding businesses in the whole wide world. It's it's just a fun, fun business that people enjoy. If you're a people person, there's no better job. And that's part of your sales pitch to them. Well, you know, forever, one in three Americans got their first job in the hospitality industry. So it, it is a, it's a great entry-level job. I started as a busboy. And that's what it shows you is you don't have to have an education. You don't have to have, you know, formal management or restaurant hotel you don't need any of that you can start as a busboy and own a restaurant it's just it's all attitude and liking people it really is so um obviously your bottom line is the cost of the business are, are going up because you have to pay more people is this being reflected in the menu prices and maybe a shrinkage of your bottom line as well so we've done several things. Um, you know, we have cut into our bottom line. There is no question about it. Um, you can't keep up. This, the elasticity of a menu is not the same as menu pricing, for lack of a better word, at Publix. People go to Publix, they go to grocery stores every week, and they see their bills going up every week. But it's a scan. Here, I don't have a scan, so I can't change my menu every day. I can't change my prices every day. The elasticity is, is tighter in the, in the hospitality industry. So will people pay $50 for an item they paid $30 last week? Will they pay $20 for an item they paid $10 last week? We raised our menu prices 5% this year. Inflation's 13% from our, from our distributors right now. 
seafood is 40% up. So are we keeping up with that? Absolutely not. Labor has doubled. So we're seeing all of those costs expand and it's, it's hard to, to keep up with that menu wise. Because you don't want, I mean, I want a full restaurant. But you know, the old thing is you've got to make money at it. You, you don't want to just go get a bigger truck and lose more money, right? That doesn't help you. Are we seeing a lot of uh, restaurants go out of business? Have we seen that in the last couple of years? I read something actually this morning that they were expecting 80% of restaurants to go out of business. And it's hard for me to grasp that because we're in Florida and for the gracious, I mean, we're busy. Florida is open for business, but you think about some of the states and some of the cities that are not open. So I think 80 is a huge number. I don't know if that's a real number, but if you look at how many are suffering, look at New York City. Look at New York City. And they're, they're I don't know how they'll recover because some of them had any, have not even opened yet in two years. No one can sustain that. No one's pockets are that deep that they can keep paying rent or whatever it is. So I, I think we're going to lose a lot. Uh, we're f- so fortunate to live in the state of Florida because look at how many people are here. You know, people are coming to Florida to, to work, to live, to play. We'll be fine, but it's going to hurt across the nation. So, John, you own five restaurants now. If, if you were thinking about opening a new one right now, would you still do it in this kind of climate? I just opened one three weeks ago, actually. It's strange you ask. Optimistic, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. I opened one three weeks ago. Uh, uh, it's a completely different concept. But I have a contract on my desk right now that I'm reviewing with a landlord on another property here in Manatee County. So, yeah, I think it's a great time to be in Florida, to be in the restaurant business. Is it tough to get staff? Absolutely. I mean, there's been restaurants that have opened up that have paid ridiculous, I mean, $3,000 signing bonuses to get a staff in to, to open a restaurant. That's tough, that's tough. But once you get open and you can establish it, the staff will stay with you if you treat them right, right? So if you have to pay a little to get them in and then you treat them right, they'll be with you forever. And that's one of the things I pride myself on. Our restaurants have great longevity. I mean, I have people that have worked with me 25 years. I have servers, bartenders, since the day I opened one of the stores in 97. Uh, We have a lot of longevity with our staff because we take care of them, we treat them in the utmost professionalism. We're humanistic. That's what it takes to, to keep people. So yeah, if you pay a little more to get them in and then take care of them and treat them right, you can do it. So it, it's a great it's a great climate to be in the hospitality industry in Florida. You have to be an optimist and you have to have some business sense and you have to have a good feel of people, right? You have to have a good way of treating people. And... Or an ostrich and just stick your head in the sand and think everything's wonderful. No, you, you, you have to be a people person. And it's not just with a guest, it's with your staff. You've got to be genuine. You've got to care about them. You've got to care about your guests. You've got to make sure that you're there for them. You know, they are the customer. They're your boss. And if you can make them happy, and the best way is by having a happy staff. So you got to take care of them. All right, John, you are also the state board vice chair and restaurant director for the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Let's just talk about the lodging part of that sure. for, for, for a little bit here, if we could. You know, uh, what kind of changes are we seeing to the local hotels, especially in some of the smaller places on the beaches here, 
Um, we've seen less service, fewer housekeeping, right. less changing of linens, that sort of thing. Right. So if you're staying three days, you may never see housekeeping unless you request. I mean, they're not changing the rooms. They're not changing the linen. They're, I mean, it's all by request only. They're having difficulty with staffing, just like everyone. So they're also closing rooms. I mean, I've talked to some of my, my friends in the, in the hotel business, and so they'll say, yeah, we're 100% occupied, but that doesn't mean every room's taken. They've booked every room that they have cleaned. I, I've got friends who are owners and general managers and regional managers of four, five, eight hotels, and they're cleaning rooms themselves. They're, yeah, I mean, you've got a general manager refreshing a room. You've got an owner making beds, doing linen, doing laundry. They've looked at different ways. They're, they're renting laundry instead of doing their own laundry. That's one way they've gotten around that. So most of the time, you know, most hotels have their own laundry. They do that. But they can rent them from a laundry service, a linen service. So they'll do that because they can't get staff to, to work the, the laundry rooms. Um, but, but you see rooms closed. You see, you see restaurants closed in hotels because they can't get people. And that's, I mean, everybody has cut, not everybody, but a lot have cut back on their hours or their service. Whether they're not open for breakfast at the hotel, restaurant, whatever it may be. I mean, I, there's a Starbucks right next to our newest restaurant that's closed three days out of seven right now. I mean, you know, you just don't know if you can get your cup of coffee on your way to work or, and, and that's a three to four man operation, right? So obviously if, whether they're sick, they don't want to work, or they have COVID. And, 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 and that's been one of the issues we have as well, is it may not be the staff member that has COVID, but they closed down a classroom at school because one kid has COVID, so they send everybody home. Well, if, if I've got a mother working for me, she's got to stay home with the kid. So she calls me, hey, John, I can't work for the next four days. What do I do? I can't make her come in and leave her seven-year-old at home as much as I would. I'm a, I have no kids, so I don't understand how that works. I'm like, well, just leave the kid alone. He'll be fine. But well, If it only worked that way. <laughs> right? But I don't think seven-year-olds are quite latchkey kids yet. So, uh, But that, it, has, it absolutely has repercussions with this. Have you had to like, go into the kitchen and start preparing meals or bus tables yourself? Absolutely. We all have. I mean, I've got everybody's doing every job in our restaurants. Absolutely. I, I've been managing. I, I, I bust one, you know, so you, you pick up shifts wherever you need to be. I've got general managers that are doing cooking shifts to, to cover shifts in, in the kitchens and everywhere else. That's what everybody's doing right now. Got to check your ego at the door, too, it sounds like. No question. And we're working a lot of overtime. I mean, I've got some of my staff working 50, 60 hours a week right now. So not only are they tired, I mean, they're making great money, but it's, you know, sometimes at your 56th, 57th hour, you're not as cordial as you once were when you first walked in the door. You know, John, kind of wrapping up here, uh, so all of these changes we're seeing in the restaurant and lodging industries, do you think this is a temporary setback or is it really some kind of new normal that we're all going to have to get used to and deal with from now on? I think it's a combination. I'll be honest with you. I, I think we're all going to have to learn how to live with the pandemic, how to live with mass choices, how to live with short staffed. I mean, we're looking at, we, we brought in handheld um, point of sale systems for 
four of our restaurants. Uh, it's, it's where they can just stand at the table, they key in the order right on the handheld, it goes to the kitchen and it comes out. So we're cutting the stores, so maybe they can have five tables instead of four tables. So that's one way to, if you can't get 10 servers on for the shift and you can only get eight, obviously you close off tables. I've got a couple of tables that we close off here or you give them more more tables. Are they getting the same level of service? Not quite, but I the guests understand that. I mean, they look at, it's not like people are sitting around smoking cigarettes, you know, leaning against the wall. They're all working hard. So the guests are more compassionate, more understanding, thank goodness. Uh, they know everybody's working hard. Um, but I think people are realizing that. I don't think it's gonna stay at that level. I think people will come back to our industry and we'll get closer to where we were. I don't think we'll ever get back to where we actually were. But, you know, maybe we weren't as efficient back then either. I think the efficiencies we're looking at. I've got a robot at one of our restaurants right now. It is the coolest thing. It's, it, it has trays, three levels of trays, and we're using it to deliver food. So go back to just what I said. I've got a server in the station with a handheld. They order a drink or an appetizer and while I'm stand while they're standing here at the table taking the order for the entree here comes a robot with their cup of soup or their dozen oysters you got a dozen oysters right here imagine if the robot came up here while Pat your server is still taking your order he takes the oysters off he hasn't left his station right so there's an efficiency that works well um, do I think robots will take the place of service god I hope not I absolutely hope not but I think you'll get better service because you've got a server that's standing here the whole time. He's not back in the kitchen loading up a, a tray of oysters. Somebody else is doing that, putting it on, and he's not running it. So I think you'll get better service. Well, you know, technology is going to help us. So, so automation really is kind of inevitable in some aspects of the business. It is. I just can't. I, I think I need to draw a smile on our, our new robot. We call her Pearl. Pearl. Well, the best, you know, the surprise part of an oyster is a pearl. So it's a great surprise when a, a robot comes up and delivers your, your food. So I just want to put a big smile on Pearl's face so people, you know, get a big... People are loving our guests are just... You get, I mean, if you follow behind Pearl as she's going through the dining room, everybody in her trail is just smiling and grinning, taking pictures. I, I was laughing. I'm like, it's really slowed down our service because everybody's like, no, don't take the food off. Wait, and they get their camera phone out and they're they're taking pictures. So, the the newness of that'll wear off though. Well, I'll be sure to shake Pearl's hand if she has one next time I see her. Exactly. She <laughs> sings Happy Birthday, so we're good there. I've been in another restaurant, and my my daughter, who's a teenager, can't wait to go back there on her birthday so the little robot can sing Happy Birthday. It's true. And with COVID, we stopped singing happy birthday, right? You don't want a bunch of people breathing on you. So now you have a way around that as well. Okay, John, anything else you want to mention that I neglected to ask? As I said, there's the hospitality industry in Florida is better than it's ever been. I've been in it 40 years now. I've never seen it this good, meaning this many customers, this many people feeling good about eating out. You know, there's disposable income because people haven't traveled, they haven't done a lot of things recently. They want to be back out. They want to feel human again. They want to feel normal again. We, we tease that in the, in the restaurant industry, we're the second responders. After an emergency, where do you want to go? You want to go somewhere that you get some sense of normality. You know, whether it's your favorite restaurant, favorite bar, you want to sit and feel like, you know, things are back to normal. 
And so we feel that people are coming into the restaurants. They want to feel normal again. And, and it's happening. I mean, as I said, in forever, we've never seen business like this. The number of people, the sales, it's just getting the, the supplies and the staff to take care of them, to keep up with them. Yes, hopefully all those problems will be ironed out in the next year and COVID will stay far away. John Horn, thank you for inviting us to the Anna Maria Oyster Bar. It's one of five restaurants you own here in the Manatee County area. And thank you for being on Florida Matters. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Coming up after this short break, we'll talk with the restaurant critic for the Tampa Bay Times. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Next up, we'll chat over Zoom with Helen Freund, the food and dining critic for the Tampa Bay Times. Helen, welcome to Florida Matters. Happy to be here. Uh, Helen, as the food and dining critic for the Tampa Bay Times, you are kind of in a unique position to observe the going-ons of restaurants and and food establishments in the Tampa Bay area. You know, we've all been reading about the uh, the Great Resignation and how this people are leaving a lot of businesses out there to get their dream jobs, or you know that everything we're having a big reset here. What are you seeing as far as the restaurants? Are they getting hit big time by this Great Resignation as well? Yeah, you know, it's absolutely been an ongoing issue for them, and I think that for restaurant workers in particular, we it's maybe been we've seen a little bit more of it over the past year or so. I will say, I don't think the situation is quite as dire as maybe a couple months ago. A lot of that has to do with the holiday crunch. A lot of restaurant workers um, are usually brought in during the months uh, through like November through December, January, just to kind of help staff out during the really busy season. And here in Tampa Bay, we, you know, couple that with the Omicron surge, people were getting sick, they weren't able to come to work, and a, a huge influx of tourism that we're, we're now seeing coming back to the area. So I think for restaurant owners, those months were sticky. Um, and then we saw, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this too, you know, you'd see a Facebook post pop up from your favorite restaurant or coffee shop or bar, and it'd simply say, sorry, we're, we're, we have to close for a few days. We don't have enough people to actually stay open. So I'm not seeing that as much right now. So that's good news. But I, I, I don't think that restaurant owners are quite out of it yet. I know. I've been to several restaurants in the past few months, and you always see help wanted signs, right? Is this kind of maybe kind of like a permanent affliction that we might be seeing in the industry as people realize, all right, I don't want to work for tips. I don't want to make two whatever an hour and have to work for tips, that sort of thing. Uh, is there some kind of an industry reset that you see going on right here? sure that I'd call it an industry reset. I think that there are several factors to consider. I think what it has done is that it's given employees and people looking for restaurant work more bargaining power. And it's given the corollary of that is that employers don't quite have as much say anymore. And what that's done is it's actually made wages in some case increase a little bit. So a restaurant owner that was maybe paying their line cooks 10 to $12 an hour last year is now possibly being forced to pay a little bit more closer to you know, 15, 16, 17. I, I do think that these kinds of things sort of ebb and flow. I think that right now and in the coming months, we're going to see a continued I, labor sort of drove, you know, a need for more work because all these restaurants that had planned to open either during the pandemic or like 2020, 2021, they ended up actually pushing these projects to the first quarter of 2022. A lot of that had to do with construction setbacks and supply chain shortages. Um, so what that means <laughs> is that you've now got this huge number of restaurants that are looking to open within the next couple of months, and they're all trying to hire across the board. 
Helen Freund is the food and dining critic for the Tampa Bay Times. Thank you very much for being on Florida Matters. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And that's it for today's show. I'd like to thank John Horn and Helen Freund for their insights today. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Denora Prevost. You can catch up on our recent shows and the latest news from Florida Matters and WUSF via Twitter, Facebook, our WUSF Instagram page, or by podcasts so you can listen to us anytime you want. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters.